Hello, fellow travelers, and welcome to the Virtue in the Stars podcast. How are my loyal listeners? Thank you for your continued support. And remember, click the subscribe button, everybody. This is an amazing episode because board the mothership is Bonnie Gordon. You know her from Star Trek Prodigy. She also has an upcoming album releasing soon. Now join us as we go traversing the stars. Hello, Miss Gordon. Thank you so much for coming to the Traverse the Stars podcast. Hello. Thank you for having me. Totally my pleasure. Star Trek Prodigy is a great TV show. It is. It, it, I mean, I'm I might be a little biased, but no, it's 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 a not only just an amazing Trek show, just amazing sci-fi in general. I think Paramount is killing it with with the new Star Trek shows that they've had. Absolutely, they're so they're so. I always like to joke about like what a time to be a Trekkie, you know? Like mm. we have so many new Star Trek shows coming out, so many new fans being reached, and uh, a new generation of Star Trek fans with you know shows like Prodigy and uh, Lower Decks coming out. So I just love that it's it's opening up a whole new um, audience for for Star Trek. You know, people who have not really got into it back in the day are now jumping in going oh this is actually cool and we're like yes come join us we are cool we have science on our side (laughs) well i will say i was a wayward star trek fan for quite some time Mm -hmm. um and then star trek discovery sucked me back in and now i've gone back and rewatched them all over again and i'm like oh i am a star trek fan once more yep i've i've been made (laughs) i did a lot of rewatching during covid because i i i became a trekkie i i started getting into star trek later in life too like i think 2008 when i i worked at the star trek experience in las vegas so i had to start watching star trek to kind of you know do my job to make sure i didn't mess up (laughs) like pretend like i didn't know what i was talking about and uh yeah and so i became a trekkie later and then and then started doing rewatches and all that stuff and then got really excited uh when i became a part of prodigy and started doing rewatches for all kinds of stuff like I was on a Star Trek TTRPG show on Twitch, like all kinds of I, like Trek is a huge part of my life. And I'm happy to say that um, I get to be a part of it at all. So, yay. Yeah, I, I will say it's, it, it is wonderful to, I mean, to be a nerd in general right now. And, and like it would last like 15 years. Yeah. It's like the golden age of dorkdom. What a time to be a nerd. I know the right. fact that like playing D&D now is cool. Like when did this yes. happen? Yeah. What? I, I, I actually have talked to like people who I I legit thought were cooler people, and they're like, "Yeah, we play on D and D." I'm like, "You're you're you're not a nerd. What they're is cool. happening here?" Cool people are nerds are cool now. You didn't get the memo. Like we're we're like taking over the world one I, fandom at a time. I totally believe that. Like, and then you got the comic books are big. Uh, yep. Star Wars um is is back again. I mean, there isn't we're any, killing one, it, killing right, it on all nerd. Levels. Yeah, now one nerd like sphere has not been utilized right now in the world in culture right now. I know we're killing it. I love it. <laughs> it, it it is fantastic. So I usually start with a question of inspiration. So what inspired your love for acting and who are your earliest influences? Oh my gosh, my love for acting. You know, I growing up um, was a huge fan of Jim Carrey. The the earlier stuff of Jim Carrey, especially mm. like Once Bitten, Earth Girls Are Easy, stuff like that. And then I remember watching um, I Love Lucy and Carol, the Cara Burnett show and seeing these two redheads, these two women who were beautiful in their own, you know, in their own way, but also were not afraid to be ugly and they mm. were not afraid to be ridiculous and not afraid to like go full out with their face and their body and um, putting themselves in ridiculous scenarios. And at a time where, you know, I, most of the stuff I watched, you know, like it's, it was 
you had to be like a Disney princess. You needed to be this, you needed that. And I didn't really fit that. I was like a really awkward kid. I was kind of mm. ugly. I was, you know, I was just like, I was not that, I didn't fit that at all to where I was like, wait, I can be the funny one. And that kind of <laughs> uh, got me into that. And I always loved music and I also loved uh, comedy. So it kind of, it started like molding me into this, like this weird quirky character <laughs> uh, actor watching all of those influences like Jim Carrey and Carol Burnett and, and uh, Lucille Ball. My middle well, name is also Ball. Uh, my full name is Bonnie Elizabeth Ball Gordon, but my, you know, a lot of people call me Bonnie Ball growing up. And so like, I kind of would like in my head pretend that I was related to Lucille Ball in my own way. <laughs> I'm sure awesome. down the line, I'm sure like maybe like, I don't know if we get like a piece of her hair so I could do a 23 and me, like <laughs> I could see if we're actually related. That would be amazing. <laughs> There's going to be a Star Trek episode where they go back to because Lucy Bell is so connected to Star Trek as well. Exactly. How what, and, how crazy is that? That she's she's like the the godmother of Star Trek in her own way. Yeah. I I didn't even realize that till I mean you, you know those uh, the things on Facebook like how old were you when you learned? Mm -hmm. I probably was like 35 when I realized she was an integral part of the Star Trek franchise. Isn't that crazy? I'm so it's such a cool connection because she was such a big part of making me who I was growing up. And then like later Star Trek became that for me. And to have it linked together, I'm like, wait, Lucille Ball and Star Trek? What? Yeah, it's good, it's good stuff. <laughs> I was like I said, you're gonna have to play Lucille Ball in a future episode of Star Trek. I would so be down for that, but I think I'm a little too curvy to play Lucille Ball. Same with Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett is so, she's very thin and tall mm. and lanky. And I'm a little too curvy to play those women. Although vocally, I would definitely want to do it. Yeah. Now, I mean, you've talking about vocal. You've had an amazing music career. Uh, apparently, you've had you did a parody band. You said, yeah, um, you've done your you have your own solo album coming out. So let's talk music. Okay, where did great. this come from? Yeah, well, I've I've always loved music, and um, you know, I never really felt like I belonged growing up, like in a group of I didn't have like a lot of friends or anything until I discovered theater and music, and it kind of, um. I wouldn't say save my life, but in, in a way it kind of did save my life. It, it, it gave me a way to channel my energy. I have ADHD. So it, mm. like music and, and uh, theater gave me that, that, um, that energy release that I needed so badly and that creative outlet that I also craved. And so I've always done music growing up. I was a musical theater major in college and opera minor. And then, um, when I started actually pursuing it as a career, I started as a comedy a musician. So my friend Xander Genre and I started a band called the Library Bards. And you can find us all over the internet. We have some fun music videos up on YouTube as well. But we do we take songs off the radio and we make parodies of them kind of like Weird Al. Uh, but it's all nerdy things. So it's all Star Wars, Star Trek, comic books, uh, Princess Bride, uh, Power Rangers, you name it, we sing about it. So yeah, with that being said, uh, so, I love comedy and I love music. So that was the perfect bridge. And we performed at Comic-Cons like all over the world. And it, it was amazing. And we're still uh, we're still going to do some more Library Bards work uh, probably next year, but I've been pursuing some solo stuff as well. And then I also guest sing with a few bands uh, based in Los Angeles. There's a band called the Flux Capacitors where they're like an 80s, 90s rock band. They all dress up like characters from Back to the Future. They're amazing. And uh, they do a lot of fan events and they, you know, they've done shows for Netflix and, and 
and Google and God knows what else and, and big Comic-Con after parties like San Diego Comic-Con. And I've gotten to guesting with them and we'll do songs from all different types of film and nerd shows. Uh, and, and they're a blast. And then I also sing with a meatloaf tribute band. I sing some of the female vocals with a meatloaf tribute band called the Legendary Pot Roast. Uh, that's a lot of fun. So yeah, I love music. And so any any opportunity I get to sing, I, I jump at. And I'm recording a solo album right now that's in the mixing stages and it should be coming out hopefully within the next month. I'm I, It'll be out before the holidays for sure. So I can't wait to share that with people. It's um half originals, half nerdy covers of fandoms <laughs> I love. So Oh, that sounds awesome. So the yeah. is parody parody music or is it a solo album more serious? No, not parody music. So um there's some songs that are serious. Like there's a song on the album called Jacosa that is about a friend of mine named Jacosa who passed away um uh years ago. Uh, there's a song about there's a blues rock song about ADHD, which is a lot of fun. There's a uh, one of the songs is called Con Artist, which is also the name of the album. And it's a love song, like a bluesy kind of sultry love song where you think I'm singing about a con artist. But when you listen to the words, it's actually a double twist and a play on words. I'm actually singing about an artist at Comic-Con, a con oh, artist. Aha! Very cool. Very I know. Cool. And then there's also a song about imposter syndrome because we all suffer from it and it's something I struggle with every day. But um, some of the covers you can expect to hear on it are uh, It's Not Easy Being Green from the Muppets, uh, Why Don't You Do Right, the Jessica Rabbit song from from Dr. Rabbit. I have a Star Trek medley, so I have like the theme of the original series and the theme of Enterprise kind of bossa nova medley together. Very good. Uh, the theme to The Last Unicorn and the song Storybook Love which is a uh, the, one of the songs from The Princess Bride. That is so cool. That, there might um, be one or two surprises on the album as well. <laughs> well, The Last Unicorn is a deep dig because um, that's like one of those classic cartoons. I actually got to interview uh, Michael Chase Walker about the movie. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's, a, that's like a deep dig of 80s oh, um, animation. <laughs> well, you know what's so funny is when I, when I was thinking about songs to do, I was really torn about either doing the theme of The Last Unicorn or the theme to The NeverEnding Story. But Ooh. with Stranger Things making The NeverEnding Story theme so popular right now, I was like, hmm, A, what's going to be more kind of like deep cut, like rare? And also, what's going to be cheaper <laughs> for me to get the mechanical license for because i'm already gonna have to spend so much money on like you know getting the rights to do like the star trek theme and stuff mm. like that so i'm like what's gonna be cheaper in the in the long run and believe it or not the last unicorn is cheaper to get the rights to sing i can't imagine because <laughs> like i said people either know it or they've never ever heard of it yeah. like, either you love it or you've never heard of it there's right. a few people in between that with that one yeah, it's but oh man, I loved that cartoon growing up. I mean, I think I had it on VHS. And I think I we watched my sisters and I watched it so much uh, growing up that the VHS got completely deteriorated. <laughs> yeah, for, for for me in the eighties, the one I watched constantly was Labyrinth. Oh, that's so that good. <laughs> I almost did a Labyrinth song too on my album. Like, I, here's the thing: it's like I wanted to make sure that it was kind of an even mix of of covers and originals, but there's so many different. Uh, like covers I wanted to do so I think I'm gonna still try and record those later and you know release the second album eventually this first album has been it's been such a journey and a pain because this is something I'm doing all on my own and I'm I'm also using all live musicians which is um it, it sounds incredible but it, it you know it does get very expensive with studio mm. time and everything so it's been it's been a journey uh trying to get this album done 
like quickly because I've wanted it out for I wanted it out this summer, but there was mm. no way it was going to be finished in time. But it's in the mixing stages right now, so it's it's getting so close. And kudos to everyone, if whoever's watching that worked on it, um, all the musicians, the the studios, the uh, the person mixing, like everybody's been so incredibly patient and and nice to me, like trying to help me <laughs> navigate this pool of water I've never been in <laughs> that I just jumped in without checking the temperature. <laughs> ah! So for Labyrinth, what song would you have done? Oh, I, probably as the world falls down because mm. I used to sing in a band called Windows to Sky and we did that song in three-part harmony and it's such a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, and I would have probably have tried to make an arrangement that was similar to that. But that's another thing is I didn't want to do that song and 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 members of that band think that I was like trying to copy them in any way. Cause mm. you know, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is original with the original arrangements and whatnot. So it's so, been, it's been a journey, but it's been so much fun and I can't wait for it to come out. Like, seriously, I'm, I'm dying to have it come out. <laughs> I, I'm just so ready for it. Well, the songs that are original, are you writing mm -hmm. that? Did you write them yourselves or they, did you write the lyrics to them? I did. I did. Really? Mm-hmm. And even with the parody stuff, a lot of the parodies that we would write for Library Bards, I would write the lyrics for as well. I, I love writing lyrics. Um, it's it's funny because I have so many original songs that I've just been kind of sitting on for so long. Yeah. And this past year, you know, with COVID, with the quarantine last year and then this year, I went through some health scares, like some mm. like cancer scares and health scares. And it kind of woke me up in a sense of like, I'm sitting on all this original music that if something happened to me, no one would ever hear. So mm. it kind of, it kind of kicked me into gear and, and inspired me to do this album. Um, so I have kind of almost like something to leave behind of myself. Yeah. Parody part. Have you ever seen the TV show, Big Bang Theory? Of course. Yes. With Rajan and Howard, they're doing, they did a parody. Is it like that parody or is it like good? <laughs> it's, I, you know what? I consider our parodies very good here's the thing with with parody there's a lot of parodies out there and sometimes you can write a parody about something and then just put it out there um xander and i would be very what's the word i'm looking for not detailed but like whenever we would write a parody we'd make sure that we were honoring the fandom mm. and we wanted our lyrics to be both fun and catchy but also clever um and i feel like a lot of parodies fall into the category of being like you know um i, w I don't want to use the word lazy because again parody is parody you know it's all in with interpretation but i do pride myself um on the lyrics of the library bard songs because i feel like we we take great pride in, in making sure that you know our lyrics are we want to make sure that people who enjoy the fandom and that are huge fans of what we're singing about hit all the jokes hit with them but mm. we also want someone who might not have ever watched you know a show like firefly or someone who's never seen the princess bride can still listen to the song that we're singing about the fandom that we're singing about and enjoy the song and like maybe even catch a joke or two just by being in pop culture mm. you know if that now, makes sense now the catch with parody at least for i can tell someone who absolutely never does parody because I'm not inherently funny. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> is that um, not only do you have to make the jokes funny, but I meant because it's a song, you also have to make it musically interesting to listen to. Exactly. Where's the line between 
the sound and the listening and keep making sure the jokes and the um, references are right as well. That's interesting. You know, what I love about what we did with, we have two albums out right now as the Library Birds, uh, Bombarded and Bardcore. What I love about the songs that we do on there is we we do parody a, a popular hit. For example, um, All About That Bass, but we do All About That Space. And there's a lot of parodies that came out when that song came out. Uh, but we try and incorporate every sci-fi show that we can into ours. And when when our song starts, it starts as a John Williams-esque orchestra. And then throughout the song, there's hints of the cantina band throughout. So we try and we try and take a song and incorporate the fandom within the music. For example, our Dancing in the Dark, Bruce Springsteen parody is Welcome to Jurassic Park. And in it's the same, dun, 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 you know, but instead of the music, the instruments that you're used to hearing with Bruce Springsteen, we use like a horn section to make it sound like the Jurassic Park's dun, 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 dun. and we even have that theme incorporated throughout. Same thing with our Spider-Man song. It's uh, no doubt spider webs, but it goes, it starts with, um, you know, the ska beat, but it has the, uh, um, he was just an awkward kid and then it goes into the song but like you can hear like how we incorporate the theme of what we're singing mm. into the arrangement of the parody so i always love the little hints that we do musically throughout that people can enjoy it and hear little easter eggs if they're really paying attention Oh, that sounds absolutely that awesome. Sense. Yeah, thanks. There's also YouTube uh, music videos of some of our stuff. We have one of my favorite music videos is one that we did um, right before COVID hit. It's uh, to ACDC's TNT, but it's uh, I play D&D <laughs> on Sunday nights. And that music video is just really special to me because we got so many of our friends to come in and especially in the TTRPG community to come in and be in this music video. And it was kind of like our last hurrah before the pandemic happened and everything shut down. And now I go and like watch this music video back thinking like, oh my gosh, we were all in the same room together. Like all 30 of us like packed in, <laughs> like, you know, which nowadays you'd be like, oh, we can't do that because of COVID. It, it's so, it was so fascinating to me that, you know, it came out, we released that music video in February of 2020 and then lockdown happened right in March. And we were like, whoa, <laughs> like everyone's going to think that we shot this you know during the pandemic but how dare you yeah <laughs> for all you star trek fans watching we also have one that's um uh, hit me with your best shot but it's now you got the bridge spock kirk is away and we have the music video set up where it's like in a, the original series and we green screen the entire original series a uh, bridge set we also uh we went to vascus rocks where they shot a lot of um original series episodes and and current episodes did we did the whole uh captain kirk gorn fight scene at vascus rocks so it's it's a it's a really fun uh music video you should go check it out so i just determined just now for the listeners in the notes for youtube you will find links uh, i'm gonna make find the links to the youtube videos i'm gonna put up some of them up there so you guys can check them out so that's determined just now <laughs> yay i'll send and, this to you oh that'd be awesome and also just uh, so our listeners know the name of the new album is going to be what again con artist con artist very cool you'll probably find me selling them at comic cons <laughs> <Here are you. laughs> well, do you go to a lot of the conventions i do i do i i 
we did a whole bunch as the library bards. And then this year I've been doing a whole bunch solo, especially now that Star Trek Prodigy has come out. Um, I was already doing a lot of Comic-Cons with voiceover work. I do voiceovers on um, some really fun franchise video games like Street Fighter and Fire Emblem and Mega Man. So I was already doing Comic-Cons as a voiceover guest. And now with Star Trek um, under my credits, it's been really nice really pushing the sci-fi conventions and the Star Trek conventions because those are the ones I wanted to go to anyway because <laughs> I'm such a nerd and I'm like, yes, I want to go to the Star Trek conventions. <laughs> and um, and I, I always sing, uh, I, I always try and musical guest at these conventions as well. Uh, I'll be at Space Indie or Starbase Indie Con in Indianapolis at Thanksgiving weekend. So if any of you are in that area, come check us out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Aaron Walkey from Star Trek Prodigy will also be there. We're going to um, be talking Prodigy. I'm going to be doing, I think, two concerts. I'm not quite sure what the programming schedule has me down for yet, but it's going to be a fun weekend and it's Thanksgiving. So come be thankful for Star Trek with me. <laughs> so how much crazier have your convention appearances been now that you are now Star Trek? Well, I mean, what what's incredible is I've already, I was already, um, such a Trekkie and in the Star Trek community already, especially with the Star Trek uh, TTRPG show, Shield of Tomorrow and, and Clear Skies that I was doing. So getting getting to be a voice on Star Trek Prodigy just kind of amplified the community that I already had, which was awesome. And th that's what I think has been the most fun is doing a lot of these conventions. And yes, people have been coming up very, really excited about Prodigy, but also coming up saying like, oh, I love you in Shield of Tomorrow. Oh, I loved you in this. Oh, I, I, I know you from The Quest on ABC back in 2014. And I'm like, whoa, you know, the, the fact that if people have been following me for so long and have been on this journey with me is so it's it's really special. Um, I'm just a nerd that wants to do nerdy things and make a living being a nerd. And the fact that people are wanting to lift me and and ride this roller coaster of a life with me and and help me on my journey is unbelievable. Like I have a um, I just started my own personal Patreon so I could start working on my own solo music and solo content and the engagement on there has been so incredible um with people just like ready to go like what do you need let me help you you know let's make this song let's do this let's do that and i'm like oh my gosh really like <laughs> I, you know it, as a creator and as a creative i'm sure you you feel this way too especially in this industry the imposter syndrome can really beat you down you feel like you don't deserve um people's admiration you don't deserve um success you don't deserve where you are um you feel like you don't really belong you know there's so many times i walk into a voiceover booth and i'm like in a panic mode thinking you know i'm gonna get fired tomorrow because i just never feel like i'm good enough i'm not talented enough i'm not good enough i'm not pretty enough you know this industry has a way of just knocking you down and it's so just not even just like self-validating but just so heartwarming and um i'm getting all emotional <laughs> it, I'm, I'm having trouble finding the words that this past year has shown me with the star trek community being just so open and welcoming to me especially since i was so nervous i was following in major barrett roddenberry's footsteps and um knowing that sometimes certain fandoms 
you know, I won't say what other fandom gets a lot of trolls and negativity, but I'm sure we all know which one I'm talking about. You know, a lot of people can get very angry with change within their fandoms. And I was really worried that people would come at me, not say, you don't sound like her, or you're not as good, you know, why can't they use Majel? You know, like I was waiting for the backlash of people to come at me. And instead it's just been the complete opposite of, you know, welcome, welcome to the skies and let's, let's go, let's boldly go together. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> I want to boldly go. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say when you talk about which fandom, I find that fandoms are there's such an angry like contingent in almost every fandom true. for no apparent reason that's hard to pick which one it's is true. The angry I one. was I was I was hinting that it was Star Wars because so many people get so mad at Star yeah. Wars stuff like I remember when the last Jedi came out everyone was just so angry and I was like you're getting new Star Wars stop <laughs> complaining that's how I feel anytime anyone complains about anything Star Trek I'm like will you just stop if you complain about it they're gonna stop making it we let us just have the nice shiny things. All, all I'm going to say, you're not spending enough time on the Star Trek Facebook uh, group pages because there's some serious anger there too for, oh, oh my yeah. God, there's a woman captain, son of a bitch, they're ruining the entire Star Trek. Uh, there's there's <laughs> been a woman captain already. Hmm. Well, the, the one from, uh, this, this, the Discovery, Star Trek Discovery seems to have angered just a lot of people. I know, uh, it, it's it, so it, sad. It, which is which is funny, but at the same time, you're I just like, I love Discovery. I do. Like I said, that was something that got me back into Star Trek. So I was like, just quit bitching. The, the people on the show are so incredible. Like, you know, people like Anthony Rapp, who just, and uh, Wilson Cruz, they just, and, and Blue, they all just stand up. Uh, Ian Alexander, you know, standing up for the LGBTQIA community. Um, they're, I feel like the entire Discovery cast, it, it's so diverse and so, um, it's so strong in representation that that kind of show. I mean the other the other new shows are too as well, but I feel like Discovery paved the way of yep. what new Trek should be and and what representation on shows should be, and I, and I think that a lot of people are uncomfortable with that because sometimes they they see so much of different representation and then not enough of themselves represented, even though you know they're represented in every other thing that is out there. It's like, you know, let, let other people see themselves. The the part that always shocked me about the complaints about discovery is that mm -hmm. if your issue is representation, you may have missed the point of Star Trek. Exactly. Star Trek's <laughs> always been about representation and kind of pushing the envelope and, you know, uh, species and, and people of all kind working together. Yeah. And it's like, hey, hey, people, you're kind of missing the point. <laughs> maybe, maybe not, maybe not. But yeah, uh, I'm really, I really love Discovery. And not just because I love the show, but I love the people on it. Doug Jones, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I've been lucky enough to get to know uh, Anthony Rapp a little bit uh, outside of, a, you know, a convention. And he's probably one of the most nicest, wonderful mm. people. Uh, Noah who played who played the Andorian? I can't remember the character's name. Oh, don't, don't um, kill me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, uh, Everback. Um, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah. And so I I've been lucky enough to play like D and D with some of their with some of them. Uh, Front of the show. Yeah, on the show. Disco does D and D. <laughs> I got to to do a charity one shot with them, and then I I, I got to perf to do D and D live at a con with them, and it's just one of those things where I'm just like, we're just nerdy, Trek people playing D and D like like. How can this be? I'm so happy right now. It's like all of my favorite things in one place, you know? 
Well, I will say, like I said, Noah, just good people. Uh, yeah, Noah's one that was cool. Like I said, I got to interview him when he was, had his um, Kickstarter out, and he was really cool. Yes, I can't wait yeah. for that movie to come out. It's going to be so good. I, I pledged. I made sure I was a pledger. Yeah, I love his <laughs> wife, too. Oh, she's amazing. I mm. honestly, um, it, it was so cool seeing, like, a curvy redhead being all quirky and weird, and I'm just kind of like, yeah basically when i was watching discovery i would get tagged and like everything like oh my gosh you're like instant tilly i'm like i know i know i'm like instant tilly i know it's fine one day we'll be long lost sisters some random <laughs> well, thing who knows well the best rumor that i heard was that they were going to do a star trek academy with her as like the lead i was thinking to myself that's the that's the story that people wanted <laughs> yeah i hope that com uh, comes to fruition i really really want to audition for a live action um star trek mm. series some somehow um because again as an actor uh being the voice of something so legendary as the ship computer on star trek is is incredible but i also want to stretch myself and i want to if i want to follow in major barrett roddenberry's footsteps i really want to follow in her footsteps and take on you know, she she got she did so much within this within this world, and I'm like, how cool would it be to be able to play a live action role, like she did, where she got to be the ship computer and, you know, embody a, and bring so many amazing characters to life. So that's just kind of like my end goal. <laughs> what's fine? What's so fascinating about it is is that you feel like you've had a role that just sent you brought you here. You like I said you did the um, Star Trek experience. You were in Geeks yeah. and Sundry. You, you're you were the ship and now you're and you played a played a Bajoran who was people um you know know from star trek it's, it's like did that help you get the role i mean did they already know you from star trek oh no, they had no idea in fact i was i remember i was so nervous i had to pull every string i could just to like get the audition um for the voiceover thing because i initially i think they were they were ca trying to cast young people and i'm older than i sound <laughs> I'm like, I'm 36. So I think they were like trying to aim for like kid, like actual kids to fit some of these roles. And I think they were looking for someone in their teens to early twenties for Gwen initially. Uh, Cause I, I went into Star Trek prodigy auditioning for Gwen and I got uh, really far in that. And I, in fact, I got to do scratch voices for Gwen. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, it means I went in and recorded all the lines for Gwen. Um, Cause they were still trying to finalize casting for her. And so I went in to record so the animators would have something to work with while they were finalizing all the casting decisions. And then um, once they decided on Ella Purnell, they had the scratch vocals and she she could listen and like and um, match the timing and whatnot because things were already being animated. So I got to go in and basically be a part of this amazing process early on. I got to also do some scratch vocals for Janeway, which was amazing because Kate Milgrew is kind of a hero of mine. So mm. the fact that I got to go in and and be uh, Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager, I got to do her voice and I got to go in and record her lines and then they would use that to animate too. And then of course, Kate would come in and rec record it way better than I could, but <laughs> it, you know, it's fine. Um, so the fact that the Hageman brothers were so gracious and trying to find a permanent role for me because i think they were they were trying to um they were just trying to have me stay on you know they wanted i think they were so incredible and appreciative i'm appreciative of them <laughs> to be honest like they're just so amazing um and they love they love the show and the process so much and they really have such an incredible team working for them that 
the minute I got on doing scratch, I was just trying to find any possible way to stay on board. <laughs> and so when they said, we have the role of this ship computer, do you want to audition for it? I went, I was like, I'll audition for like dead officer number four. I don't even care. Just let me try for something. Cause there, you know, I want to find a way to be a permanent part of this world. And I got to do that. Thank goodness. Well, so, yeah. in Star Trek Prodigy, for those that don't know, you are the proto star. That is yep. you. The voice of the ship computer. Acknowledged. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, so, so when you're doing like the, the, the ship's voice, you're, you're stuck with a lot of techno speak, I, I imagine, or they call it techno babble or whatever. Is that complicated? Is that something that makes mine job... isn't so bad? You know, there's been a few, there've been a few techno babble moments, you know, where I have to go into different, like a lot of, a lot of the scripts changed early on, you know, like we would record some stuff and then we'd go back and like make it a little bit more simple. Uh, especially, you know, if, if it's a little too wordy, I remember in the uh, episode two where she's looking for escape pods and she goes to the computer and it's like there's no more escape pods on board um and then i did like the would you like the vet tech to replicate one so it was something like that that we made like it was like the vehicle replicator uh it goes into like a little techno babble there but like mine mine my my lines are fairly you know access granted access denied um you know my lines have been fairly simple when it comes to the techno babble uh there's been a few flubs i'm horrible at pronouncing words so if anytime there's a word that has more than like three or four syllables i'm like hey my brain will read this incorrectly so please guide me <laughs> yeah so like what is the key to doing to performing or finding the voice for the ship's computer i mean obviously it's a human voice but are you also trying to what kind of consideration do you make in how to you're going to uh, portray it? Sure, actually, it's a it's a cool story. When whenever I was initially auditioning, I asked the Hagemann brothers if they wanted me to do a major impression, and they said no. They wanted to make it more original, and what we initially decided on is to have it like a robotic voice, but also to add some warmth to it because the protostar, you know, it's a, it's a ship that the, all these kids are on, um, that are pretty much they were orphaned they were you know forced labor on this planet you know they've never really had a home they've never really had a family so the protostar becomes that for them and so we wanted to add a little warmth to the computer's voice to give it especially with children watching to give it that kind of like to make the protostar feel like a safe place if that makes mm. sense it's their safe place and um it's not just like a cold machine so um it's been fun just having like a you know um little lines like protostar warp activated you know stuff like that but it has like a little bit of a warmth to the voice and 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 it's not like a protostar you know it's not like a, it's not right, like right, a right. it's not like an automated dead sounding voice um completely computerized it has some kind of a little bit of emotion behind it and uh you know Obviously, when as an actor, I don't really get to act much as the computer. I don't get any, you know, meaty scenes or whatever, but it's it's incredible to just be a part of the process and to see how these characters interact around uh, the ship and to be a small part of that is is. So have you ever amazing. seen the TV show Green Lantern, the animated series? Yeah. 
where uh, the computer eventually creates its own body to interact with the crew better. I mean, that would be freaking awesome. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, has there any conversations like, hey, since we have this actor doing the voice and, can, and the ship has a part that can create anything mechanical, why is there not a mechanical walking protostar character moving around? I mean, ship? I'm down. Let's go. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there if anyone's listening. Make this happen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh my, I mean, I'm I'm really hoping that um, Prodigy gets uh, picked up for a season three because I feel like it's just such an important show to have right now, especially with all this new Trek coming out. What a great way for the next generation to be introduced to Star Trek and a way for families like parents who love Trek who want something to watch with their kids. It's like they can all watch it together and everyone enjoys it and and it gets. I feel like just. Um, it's such an important show to have right now because the way the world is, um, the lessons of working together and, and accepting all of our differences in a healthy way and, and finding a way to just want peace and exploration instead of chaos. I feel like it's such an important message for kids to have right now in, in these times. And it's a great launch point for to get the kids back in, into Star Trek as adults. I mean, exactly. You, you, you know that entryway, and that seems like a great entryway. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah. I have I've seen a lot of interactions like on Twitter and whatnot of people posting pictures of their kids watching Prodigy, and then when we had that hiatus in between parts one and two of season one, a lot of the kids are like, you know, what else can I watch? You know, they're they're interested in Star Trek, and mm. a lot of them have started them on Voyager because now these kids know who Janeway is, and they mm. they recognize this woman. They're like, that's Janeway, and it's now now it's like kind of bridging the gap to these younger generations like these kids and teenagers who've never seen star trek before and now they they are they already know a little bit about the world they know some of the some of the lingo they know what starfleet is and what is represented by it so now they can jump into next gen they can jump into voyager they can jump into ds9 and and actually like understand um what these kids are learning with them uh, yeah, and there's that one episode um, the, with the Kobayashi um, uh, Maru. Uh, episode six, written yeah, by Aaron Walkie. It's one of my yeah. favorites. But, and you and they had Spock, they had Scotty. I mean, so Beverly many of the Crusher, Uhura, yeah. Odo. Yeah, Odo. it was everybody. It was that was yeah. the love letter. This that was literally the love letter of Star Trek on that show. Oh, it was such a good episode. Uh, it was one of my favorite episodes to record too, because you can imagine as the computer announcing things like. Communications officer Ahura, uh, science officer, you know, uh, science officer Spock, chief chief of security Odo. So I'm like, and I'm having to read these lines, and I'm seeing all of this for the first time. So I'm I'm reading the next line, going, oh my gosh, you know, thinking like we're getting Spock, <laughs> we're getting this, you know. So I'm freaking out, thinking thinking of like imagining all of these cameos. I was just so thrilled. Um, as a Trekkie, knowing that I was announcing these legends and knowing that I feel like um, one of my favorite moments ever was during the credits of that episode and seeing my name on the same screen as Leonard Nimoy and Michelle Nichols and Gates McFadden. I was just like, are you kidding me? I was I was I get teary thinking about it. I want to print mm. that. I want to get a high res of that and print that on a canvas mm. because my god what as a star trek fan and then now working within the you know world 
I, it's like, oh, I'll never get to work with Leonard Nimoy. I'll never get to, you know, bless her soul. I'll never get to work with Nichelle Nichols. I'll never get to work with some of these, you know, legends that, that we've lost. And the fact that I technically did and got to share a credits screen with them. I know it's so cheesy and silly. Like it's not, it's so silly, but for me, it was, it was a really big deal. I, I no, was freaking I, out. I can only imagine. I mean, as someone who does um, a podcast and have has had um, a lot of Star Trek people on my show now, mm-hmm. the fact that there's certain people who I know I can never get now, I, it's just, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I, I wish yeah. I had been gotten the podcast sooner to make some of this happen, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's always the what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. What well, was Nichelle Nichols? I think was she recording? She was alive when she was recording that. She was alive, but they didn't use her voice. They used um. So th- th- what they did with uh li- with Spock, Uhura, Odo, and Scotty is they went through the archives and got clips of them because Nichelle Nichols' voice does not sound the same as it did back when she was on the original series. So uh, she was technically still alive when that episode came out, but uh, they used archived. Um, archives of her vocals from the show. Same thing as they did with Leonard Nimoy. And um, yeah, I mean, I thought they did it so cleverly, like intertwining Mm. um, audio clips, you know, like, especially since the original series, a lot of the the clips that they used were from original series and the audio is so different than what we are hearing now. The fact that they were able to kind of edit that so seamlessly in, I mean, yes, you can hear a difference, but it's the holodeck people. (laughs) Don't complain. The holodeck's doing what it can. And it's, uh, I mean, that episode is just, that one and Time Amok, I think are my my two favorite from Mm. uh, the first half of season one. Yeah, because I was wondering, because I know at the end they do the In Memory Of, and they had uh, uh, Leonard Nimoy, they had uh, Renee from, uh, who played Odo, Mm -hmm. they did not have Nichelle Nichols, like, She wasn't on there yet. Yeah, she she was still alive at the time, because she just recently passed, you know, Mm. within the last few months. And that episode aired, um, like, I think June, July, it was, it was like in the summer or before summer. So she mm. was still alive at the time. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. There was some serious classic character they had on that. That, that. I think that was one of the coolest moments they had in all of Star Trek. I was like, Oh, that's, that so you great. know, <laughs> yeah. And I love Gates McFadden as well. So the fact that they, they had this, you know, quick cameo of Beverly Crusher. I was like, yes, Beverly's here. Ah, <laughs> oh, it was so good. Well, back. Um, well, for those who know um, anything about voice acting, the listeners know, that usually the actors in a, in scenes perform together in the booths. Now, uh, Kate McGrew is in the show. Is she acting with you guys, or is this like phoned in? So, Star Trek Prodigy started recording right when COVID lockdown happened. Mm. So all studios closed down. All all of uh, the voice actors did everything remotely. In fact, what you're seeing here is how I recorded most of Star Trek Prodigy. I was one of the lucky ones in the very beginning before lockdown, I got to go into the Nickelodeon studios and record some of Gwyn's scratch in studio. But then it was, uh, then lockdown happened. So I recorded most everything here in my bedroom. <laughs> so every time I, every time I had a recording session, I would like clean my room really fast and like, the camera, <laughs> like, like hide the mess from it. I'm like, oh, don't look over there. But, um, it and that's still the case you know uh a lot of the actors in the in the show like ella purnell and uh kate milgrew they're busy they're they're shooting other things they're busy doing other projects and so i think most all of the recording sessions are done remotely now and there's a few that go into studio i'm i go into studio now um at nickelodeon but it's still all remote i'll go in it's just one sound engineer everyone else is on zoom uh like the directors the 
uh, the Hageman brothers, everybody's still just, everyone still does it remotely via Zoom now um, because it's safer. And, you know, if, if they had it to where we were all in there together and one of us had COVID and gave it to everyone else, the whole production would stop. So you just gotta, you know, it's not, COVID's not over, sadly. And now we're, now we're getting into flu season. So <laughs> Lord only knows that that's next. So, yeah. So what can you tease about the rest of season one on Star Trek Prodigy? I, oh gosh, I wish I could tease things, but I can't because A, I'm all under NDA and B, I don't want to get fired. Uh, but no. So we got a, a second half of Prodigy coming out. You have a new album coming out. What else is next for you? What else is next for me? Oh man. Oh, that's a great question. I, I'm I'm getting my 2023 uh, tour schedule up for conventions and whatnot. So if there's a place you want to see me at, just shoot me a message on you know Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, whatever, homing pigeon, whatever you can find to send me a message. I have a website about to go live in like a week, so that'll be up soon. So people Very will be cool. able to find me better. And uh, other than that, just. I got more content coming out. I got I got more videos planned, more songs planned, more um more more fun things planned. I'm I'm in the process of currently pitching a kids television show myself. So hopefully next time I talk to you, I'll be uh, I'll have that in the works as well. So who knows? Well, I hope there's a next time and I'm going to shout out some conventions that you should consider. Trifocon okay. in Connecticut. Uh, okay. Rodan Con in Rhode Island and Boston Comic Con um, in Boston. Just throwing Sweet. them out there. All right. <laughs> to look at. Thank you so much, Ms. Gordon. You've been fantastic. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for having me.